Welcome, everyone, to the first Dr. REM podcast. I'm your host, John Cardi. While I certainly consider myself an REM connoisseur, today I'm joined by the person that, in my mind, throughout his lifetime, has most embodied REMness. He is the stipiest person I know and the person who introduced me to REM, Dr. Craig Strehorn. Wow. Craig? What? <laughs> Craig, welcome to the show. What an introduction. The stipiest person. I, I love that. I, would, I will take that adjective for sure. Thank you. It is 100% true, and it can be backed up by uh, pretty much anyone I know that likes REM and knows you. So, Craig, how are you today? You are a kind man, John. Um, I am great. And I got uh, my little kid to bed, and... Um, <laughs> I'm here on the East Coast, and you're in Hawaii, so you're in Maui, and, and isn't it amazing that we can we can talk like this uh, freely? And I'm doing great. I'm excited about this, and thank you for thinking of, uh, of doing it. Yeah, well, they're an influential band uh, through uh, out many decades now, and um, certainly have had an impact on several generations, but I, I wanted to know... When's the last time you listened to REM, and what was the song? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I I actually listened to some REM today. You know, I I haven't, I wasn't listening to much REM in, until uh, what was it a, a month or two ago? You wrote to me and and with a challenge that uh, we put together, you know, a playlist on Spotify, and. Um, and that really threw me back into listening to REM and kind of dissecting some of the things. Um, today I listened um, just out of the blue. I, I it came to me that I wanted to hear the song um, "Half a World Away," and um, which I think is like you know on the list of like perfect songs. Um, and so I listened to that, um, and then found myself going down a little bit of a rabbit hole on 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 uh, YouTube. Um, which I'm sure happens to you, right? You get there and their, their algorithm is so good, right? They, they just start giving me things on the right hand side. And, and, and I have to be very careful because, you know, lots of time can go by, but there was a time in our life where we could spend, uh, whole night, stay up all night if we wanted to, or, or day after day dedicated to these artistic endeavors. And now we're lucky to get an hour here and there. So it's all time well spent. Um, it's so true. Tell me, yeah, tell me, how how did R.E.M. originally come into mm. your life? What what was the album and what attracted you to it? You know, I, um, I grew up in Southern California and I um, wasn't, I grew up in the seventies and the eighties. Uh, I mean, but, but really the eighties, I mean, I, I think I, let me, I think I turned age 11 to 21 in the eighties. I think that's right. And so that, that's a pretty, that's formative decade right there. Um, and I was a pop music kid, you know, my parents had a lot of records in the seventies and, and so, I loved that music. I still love that easy listening music of the 70s, but the 80s was really where I cut my teeth. And I first heard R.E.M. Um, on on the radio. Um, and the very first song that I ever heard of R.E.M. Um, was um, from Chronic Town. It was Gardening at Night. And um, mm-hmm. 
I just remember hearing that and going, what the heck is this? Um, you know, that doesn't happen to me very often where I hear something for the very first time. Um, and I'm like, I, I mean, in fact, I can probably think of like on a handful of occasions. Like I remember the, ex the very first time I ever heard Pearl Jam, I was in my car. I was actually going to buy weed. Um, and I, and I, and I heard alive and I just remember thinking, what is this? And, um, and let's see, oh, well, off the top of my head, the, the, the other one that comes to, to mind is, is Ray LaMontagne. I don't know if you know Ray LaMontagne, um, but, but, uh, Craig, I, Craig, uh, you took me to his concert. There we go. UMass. Okay. There we go. And so, um, the, uh, I, I went to a, to a, to a Patty Griffin concert and I, and I dragged a friend of mine to, to go see the opening band, which was Ray LaMontagne. And, and he's not a person that he's a person that doesn't go see opening bands. And I hate those people, John, like, you know, like, and, and I'm not really friends with this guy anymore, but, um, <laughs> the, but the opening band was Ray LaMontagne. I didn't know who it was. I had no idea. I just wanted to, I paid for the ticket. And when he opened his mouth, I mean, I almost fell out of my seat. Um, but that's what happened when I heard, when I heard, uh, guarding at night. You know, it was that first version too. It was that version where he just like, uh, you know, just starts, you know, it's just kind of, uh, it's just so melodic. And uh, I see your money on the floor. I don't even know. I don't even know what the lyrics are to this day. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't matter. But that was it. And then, you know, I, I, I listened to the radio a lot and um, I would tape record the radio. Did you do that as a kid? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. The Funk yeah. and Soul show on Friday and Saturday night, college yeah. radio. Yeah, and I, I would just run. I, I would have my radio going, and then I would hear a, a, a song start and then run in and, like, record, right? So I had these little mixtapes of, of songs from the radio. And so I had I had Guarding at Night on there. And, and you know, for some reason, I, that was the only REM I really listened to until I got to college, that one song. Um, you know, I heard um, uh, other things like um, Radio Free Europe and things like that, but nothing really drew me to them until I until later, until I got to college. Well, it's interesting. You, you uh, once made an influential mixtape for me called uh, Behind the Orange Curtain, and it... <laughs> The title of it, you know, was a real commentary upon uh, about your childhood. Um, can you describe what that environment was like for you and how the music, you know, not just REM, I imagine, but how the music that you, you that you brought into your life uh, served you in that time and place and environment you were in? Man, I've forgotten all about that. Um, yeah, you know, where where I, I grew up, it was very nice. Uh, I grew up in Huntington Beach, California in Orange County. And so, um, you know, at the time, I, I didn't really know, you know, my, I mean, I was my eyes were closed and, and I was a sheep. And uh, I just was happy to blend in and follow and, um, and but deep in my gut, I kind of knew that there was something weird going on um, with all the kind of whitewashed, just kind of bullshit. And, um, you know, I listened to this radio station called KROQ. And I just remember thinking, um, you know, I, I would carry I, I had this little, you know, what what my grandmother would call a transistor radio. 
um, you know, an FM, a little FM, AM, FM radio. And I would take that thing everywhere with me. And it felt like I was getting signals from around the world. And, and, uh, and occasionally I'd get some station that I'd never heard before. And it was like, um, you know, it was like God talking to me or something. It was so, it was so amazing. And, and so I think, you know, as I got a little bit older and I became a little bit more political, I realized just how, uh, damaging, um, being in that environment was, and I, and what I really mean is that, you know, it's very conservative, very Republican, very homophobic, uh, very racist, if, if, if not overtly, certainly, uh, under, under the bubble. And mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, and so, so friends and I started calling it behind the orange curtain, um, because it seemed, uh, you know, it was Reagan country for sure. Um, and, and so, um, you know, anything that a little, a little straight white boy could do to feel different, um, you know, was, was cool. And so listening to K-Rock or listening to R.E.M. was definitely cool, you know, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned K-Rock because, uh, when their, when their Unplugged came out, it was... Yeah, Such simulcast. A, yeah, simulcast yeah it was yeah. simulcast, and so so we both had our our uh, cassette tapes recording it, and mm-hmm. and to this day, at the end of some of the REM songs, I hear and I sing to myself, I'll say K Rock at the mm-hmm. end of the song, just because that's how Westward, I listen to Radio it. Radio Run. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hey. Craig, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the political aspect of REM. I think it's one of the things that makes their music so unique. And while a lot of bands can be very political, I, I, I feel like they were groundbreakingly political. And so I wanted to ask you a couple questions about this. Um, yeah, sure. First of all, yeah, first of all you uh, since I've known you, uh, equal rights for uh, gay, lesbian people has been at the top of your social causes. And given the fact that Stipe yeah. is, you know, self, uh, self-described self as queer and he's very politically active, how did, did this influence or encourage you to be politically active, to have your pop star uh, embodying that in front of you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think that... Uh, I was definitely had, you know, growing up where I did had my eyes and ears closed and, and, uh, I'm a follower by nature and, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm really good at some things if, if I'm being led there and, you know, like for example, I'm a really good camper, but I own no equipment and I will never go unless you invite me. But, but if you invite me and you have equipment, I will camp the hell out of it. Right. And, and, you know, same for playing music, uh, hiking, you know, uh, it, it, you, you, you are the impetus, you put some energy behind it. I am there. And, um, and I think that that's kind of what happened politically for me. You know, yeah. I didn't really, really know anything about what being political meant until I, until I really got to go to Berkeley. And, and I choose those words very carefully, carefully, because, you know, in, I feel so lucky that I got to go to college, number one, in, in my family. And two, that I got to go to Berkeley was just this amazing, like, win the lottery type of thing, you know, because um, what a great place to, um, to, you know, become alive. 
and I, I, uh, you know, mainly in Berkeley was able to digest so much information and try to figure it out and, and try to figure it out in my head and my gut, like, what is, what does all this mean? Um, you know, and, and specifically around gay rights, I mean, uh, it wasn't until I was in, in the later part of college that I even knew anyone uh, that was gay uh, or lesbian, queer, um, and, you know, that I knew of. I mean, I'm sure I was around gay people, but I didn't know it um, and, and was filled with so much homophobia that I didn't even know. Um, and, and it really wasn't until I moved to New York City and really started to be around and have relationship with gay people that my my life opened up in a way that um, I felt embarrassed about, like, oh my gosh. And I found out that I had a gay member in my family, um, you know, th things like that, where I just became a better human being. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I didn't even know Michael Stipe was gay. I don't think that he announced it really. You know, I remember at one point reading that he said he was like an equal opportunity lover or something like that, you know, and I was like, what the hell is that? And it just kind of fit with all the rest of the the stuff about his lyrics and everything. Um, and I, um, but as soon as he kind of, you know, th those those eighties albums, you know, like uh, Document and Green, and you know, are are filled with so much uh, politicalness in there that if you really start to dissect them, they're and they're so cutting edge for their time, um, and so it was definitely something that um, wanted me to get more interested. You know, like when, when he, when Stipe and REM started doing stuff about uh, Motor Voter, um, that was, you know, you know, Rock the Vote, you know, was, I think was also what it was called. You know, do you remember that? Um, I do remember and, it. And, yeah. uh, and it was, uh, it was revolutionary and so creative and really effective sure. and helped get Clinton elected. For sure. For sure. And, and I just, I, I was in awe of that. You know, I, I think he was the first person that I, that um, made me think about different things. You know, I, I mean, I've heard people talk about this, that um, with David Bowie, that, that, um, you know, I, I certainly appreciate David Bowie. I like his music, but he was never that influential for me. Um, but um, not in the way that like Michael Stipe was, but you know, Michael Stipe was that kind of that gender bending, um, you know, is he is he gay? Is he cross-dressing? What is he doing? What's he singing about? Um, now he's talking about like um, the Sandinistas, or he's talking about um, you know uh, rocking the vote, and like he's talking about um, uh, you know global warming. Like like it was just really opening my mind in lots of ways. Um, so for sure, influential. Yes, there was this feeling uh, when I saw Michael Stipe and Natalie Merchant mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. performing at the Celebration Gala after Clinton got elected. And that election to them had to feel a lot of what this last Biden election felt like. And For sure. I remember dancing when I found out Biden won, we, we threw a little party at our house, just my wife and my kids. And, and, yeah, and I, I got the video. Danced, <laughs> we danced yeah, into the night. Yeah, yeah we danced to your video. To, to think of how invested Stipe and REM was in that election 
and uh, literally can can have their share of credit taken for that victory uh, with so much on the line. It's it's um, what a what an incredible accomplishment in a lifetime. And and to think that kids nowadays wouldn't even know what a CD box was or uh, what all that wasted paper was really all about. And for have them to have that creative thought and push it like that, it's it's something that I think needs to be remembered and, and told to this young generation, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I also remember going to a uh, 10,000 Maniacs concert and, you know, they there were ta- sign-up tables and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just really amazing. And what have yeah. happened to Natalie Merchant? Um, but oh. that's another, that's another story, right? Oh, well, she, she's very folky and, uh, she still has a beautiful voice and she, she became, she became a mother, right. And like moved out into the country or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. um, but, she, but she is still rocking it in a, in a different way. Um, mm. but speaking of those concerts, uh, did, did you ever go to an REM concert? You know, I've only been to um, like two two REM concerts in my life, um, and um, both of them were late. Both of them were in the '90s. So mm-hmm. I went to, I think, like the Monster Tour, and then mm-hmm. probably like New Adventures in Hi-Fi, right around there, like in the mid '90s. Is that about right? And um, mm-hmm. you know, I I saw them in Washington D.C. and I saw them. Um, up here in Boston, um, and it was great. Yeah, I had a, I had a really good time. But um, you know, to be honest, I had more fun putting together my own um, REM concert on Spotify with you. Um, well, we're gonna yeah. make that link uh, available. <laughs> so check the notes down below, and you'll be able to see Craig Streehorn's mm-hmm. Dr. Craig Streehorn's uh, uh-huh. concert list. And there it's are not. some surprises on it, folks. So uh, <laughs> no cookie cutter concert for for you. No, for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, man. How about so, you? How about you? How many times have you been to uh, an REM concert? Well, just once. Um, and, it, and it was glorious. It was in the post Bill Berry days, unfortunately. I, I think yeah. ideally I really would have loved to have seen them either in the document days or pre-document days. I think tour film, uh, the tour film video for me uh, mm-hmm. is what I really would have liked to have been a part of. But I think I think the era that I saw them was around the sun type of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw them in Santa Barbara, which was a fun sort of boutique venue to see them in. I had mm-hmm. great seats was with great people and I remember that they that Stipe sort of tried to make it sort of a circus environment which um, I, I wasn't quite prepared for but the light show and the way he was moving his body he was he was very wild um, but uh, I you know was I came to Ari like that uh, blue makeup on his face and things yeah. like that at that point yeah yeah, yeah that was it you're the one that brought REM into my life. You introduced REM to me in around 1990, and you mentioned uh-huh. something early about uh, REM helped you be a better person. Well, you mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. were you were around in a big transition in my life from being a Division One competitive athlete into right, a I was there for that. 
regular person and you prescribed artwork and REM music to me and uh, you handed me this album and said, I want you to listen to this and we're going to talk about it next week. And uh, you handed me the album Green. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Probably because yeah. it had just come out. Yeah. It came out with 89, something like that. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And um, man, so that was a new direction for me. But I can honestly tell you that if I ever got the chance to have 30 seconds with any REM member that would listen to me, I would thank them for helping me be a better person. And, mm. and they made mm. they made being compassionate and you made being uh, compassionate and artistic very cool. And I'm grateful for all of you uh, oh, guys well, for that. That's a very kind thing to say. Yeah, well, you know, that 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 album um, um, was a was a real crossroads for me because, uh, you know, I, I definitely, as you well know, now am drawn to the 80s REM. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I really believe like, um, uh, let, you know, pardon me for this little offshoot here, but I, I really kind of believe that there are things that enter your life, whether it be art or people at times. And if you're in a developmental, I call them developmental moments, right? These little mm. like spans of development where things can get stuck in there. And, um, and it doesn't mean that the art or the person or the experience um, will last forever. And it doesn't even mean that it's good. But, um, it, but at that moment, it's seminal. And, you know, that's happened to me with movies and, and so forth, where, um, you know, like one of my favorite movies of all time is Notting Hill. It's a, it's a rom-com. Um, and it is, if most people I think, you know, might judge it to be like this silly, um, you know, ridiculous rom-com. Well, I saw it at a time in my life when I was traveling alone, backpacking in the world, and I hadn't been in a theater in a long time, and I was missing certain things. And there are parts of that that just kind of you know, cut me, you know, cleaved me straight to the middle. And it's just kind of just hung there. And I think that um, there, are, there are parts of music that do that for people. You know, songs can take you back immediately to feelings and to times. And, um, and I think that that's happened whenever I've tried to um, write my own music too. It's just been something that is, um, you know, really dependent on where I am developmentally at that time. And and Green was so interesting because um, there, there there are songs on that album that, that I really love and songs on it that I don't. Um, but it 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 is a, it is such a hopeful album in some ways. Um, and and then has like one of the saddest songs um, <laughs> ever written, right? Mm -hmm. I, Hair shirt. Hair shirt is just uh, you know, it's so, it's so, so sad. And, um, and, and I mean, I think that, that also, you know, what, what, why I was originally drawn to, to REM was really just Michael Stipe's voice, right? Like he was the first person that I listened to where I, where his voice, um, was an, an instrument in the, in the band. And, and that was even more true because you couldn't understand what the hell he was saying. And so it, it, it was just another noise in the band. And, and I just remember being so obsessed with what he was saying. And 
through parts of college just trying to write down lyrics and listening things over and over at a roommate once and he and I um, spent just days writing out lyrics and it was um, and then I'll, I'll never forget I was living in New York and it must have been after when Automatic for the People came out so it was like in the early 90s and it was an interview um, it certainly was I mean you know there was no internet so it had to be something I read and um, and Stipe said something about his lyrics where he said he doesn't he didn't even know the lyrics um, <laughs> to some of the songs that that you know that and and I remember watching um, watching the 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 K Rock special where he had to have the lyrics there with him. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, and 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 so in this interview he said he didn't that some of the songs from the eighties didn't even have lyrics. Um, and I remember being so crushed, John. Like like for a day, I remember being so um, just gut punched. And and then and then the next day I realized that that was actually better that that I had really experienced them much more as visceral sounds and almost like um, like paintings or something um, and that and that uh, and that's why to this day I've never gone back to um, I, I'm sure now you can go back and see lyrics in different places and uh, I'm quite sure of it, but I've just never done that because it, I just don't want it to change the experience for me. Um, I hear you. Do you know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah. And it, I remember, I remember searching for meanings in songs with you and it really felt yeah, like yeah, treasure yeah, yeah. hunting. Yeah. It, 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 there was, and now it all comes yeah. so easy. This, the song, the lyrics are there when you click on the song and you know, there's something good to that too. But, uh, the the 80s the mixtape the the ghetto blaster boombox uh yeah, yeah. all of it came together uh, the meanings of albums and i i really like when you were talking about um what the 80s music in that developmental moment that we were in there's this feeling yeah. of like when bono or ed kowalczyk and their first couple albums or mike stipe is standing at the microphone and they drop something on you and then they stand out, stare out in their strength and they stare out at the crowd in their strength uh, in that power moment. It's like when we face certain things in life, sometimes I picture their strength and, and, and how you can stand up to things with that strength and defiance. It's so powerful and um, those yeah, bands of the yeah. 80s seem to really have that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, you know, I I also think that um, you know I, I had a I had a difficult time coming to creativity in my life, and um, and you know I, I grew up pretty cookie cutter, and um, and then it took a it took a long time for me to realize that I you know and I think everybody's creative if as long as they have enough time and space and and influence to, to find it. I mean, I think everybody can, can act. Whoa. I mean, we all act every day. Right. And, and ev I think everybody can be musical. They just don't know it. And, um, I think that that was something, you know, I think part of hearing Michael Stipe is that, you know, he, he's not a, a, a profoundly great singer. Um, but, 
you know, he he controls his voice in a way that's deeply meaningful and creative. And and so when I heard those songs where there's just sounds, you know, I was I was really blown away. Um, and, you know, like even even early on, I remember thinking, um, you know, wow, like that this song, the, the lyrics are, fan, you know, I, I, I'm thinking the lyrics are fantastic. Right. Because I don't really know what they are, but <laughs> it's 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 really the, the sounds of yeah, I'm thinking of a song like, do you know, the song Dead Letter Office? Yeah. It's a very early song and you know um and so you know there's times in there where he just goes you know um knock 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 on wood thought i'd let you behind you know it just makes those sounds and and i can just remember sitting and listening to those sounds and making those sounds mine and making them so deeply meaningful and i have no idea what they what they meant to him Right. But they meant everything to me. Um, And and I guess now that I'm saying that, that's what really good music is. Right. I mean, it's like it's something that you make your own and it doesn't even matter what it means to the person uh, who wrote it. Um, It's just it just becomes yours. And and so, you know, it became mine for so long. um, I can relate. I can relate. I, I, when, when you're saying this, it reminds me of Eddie Vedder's induction speech when R.E.M. got inducted to the uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, it's, it's worth a listen if anyone out there hasn't heard that before. Make sure you check that out because uh, it's brilliant. And when uh, somebody brilliant like Eddie Vedder takes the time to comment upon what you were just saying, I think it just underscores uh, what you're saying. So, so true, man. Yeah, I, I just loved the sound of it. And, and, you know, and so we started talking about this because of Hair Shirt. And um, mm. I just remember um, hearing that song and, and feeling feeling the weight of it. Um, and um, I still, I sing that song, I sing that song uh, probably every other day. Um, it, it just, it still lives in me. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think the lyrics are super creative and, um, that you can understand them for the most part. Um, and, uh, but that, you know, those really long drawn out sounds, you know, and the waves of conversation, you know, that those really long sounds are still so deeply beautiful. Um, mm. and it's, it's just so lovely. Um, but you know, I, it's a great song. I I don't think it makes my, my list of perfect songs. Um, but, but it's a, it's a great song. So, uh, so emotional, you know, I, I've really been, I've been really looking forward to asking you this question and, and you brought it up a second ago, but, um, I want to get to the fact that you're a musician and a songwriter and that's kind, that's kind to say. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I, uh, I have your songs on my playlists and, um, that's nice of you. I having lived with you and been around you, Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's, I, I, I feel like when I hear your music, and, and this could just me, be me projecting, but when I hear you play music, I, I 
feel like somehow REM flipped that switch inside of you to have mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. like you felt this is my own interpretation, but you felt music so strongly that you had to participate in the craft and you learned the craft and you did it because of uh, something that was activated in you, perhaps even by REM. So how does REM show up in your music? Hmm. That's a deep question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm uh, sort of unaware of it. Um, you know, I think it's really generous to say, one, that I'm a musician. I mean, I, I, I think what you state is true, that I felt like I needed a way to express myself and I didn't have it. So I dove into learning how to play the guitar um, so that I could express myself. And, and then when I did, um, things came out and it was marvelous and a bunch of stuff came out. And, and then it, it felt like it all came out, John. And, and then I didn't need to do it anymore. And I mm-hmm. still dabble here and there, but but it served its purpose, if that makes sense to you. Um, and um, you know, I uh, a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, once heard I was uh, for for some reason um, playing a, a song that I had written uh, 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 to my parents. Of all, I don't I, I, mm. I, I don't even know <laughs> this. There's a lot to unpack here, but I was playing <laughs> it, and a friend heard it. And immediately told me that it sounded like REM, and that was the very uh-huh. first time that I got that feedback. And I, I was oblivious to it, completely oblivious to it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I think that the one of the one of the best compliments that I ever got, uh, may, maybe ever, um, I'd have to think about that. But the um, uh, you told me once that uh, you were you were playing some of my music. Um, to to Jamie um and and he heard it and he didn't know one he didn't know it was me and two said to you something like uh what's the name what's the name of this band where do I get it something like that right that's how I have it in my head right and I and you told me that and I remember thinking okay so that's that's working that's good um and so I can tell you yeah yeah. sorry go ahead no I I think that um you know, objectively, I can say that um, that listening to, to R.E.M. or to Michael Stipe made it OK to not have a perfect voice and to make sounds mm. and to um, and to think about things as, as think about music differently as if it were a painting, you know, if it, if it, as if it were a meaning uh, or a feeling um, instead of something linear. Um, but, you know, writing I think anybody could really write music. With that said, it's super, super difficult. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, then, and then within writing music, there are things that are easier and things that are even more difficult. So I, I think that writing a happy song is, is really one of the most difficult things to do. You know, most music <laughs> is, is about sadness and most mm-hmm. of my music is about sadness. And, and come to think of it, maybe that's why I don't need it anymore. Cause I, I mm. used it and I got a bunch of it out and I became a better person. Like it was almost like therapy. Right. Um, but, but writing about like just ordinary things, you know, like I think one of the best songs ever written is, is our house by, um, 
by Graham Nash, you know, um, you know, that song, our house, a very, very, very fine house. Um, yeah. it, it, it is, it is just such a profound song about normalness that is written about an experience that he had with his then girlfriend who happened to be Joni Mitchell. And, and it's just timeless and amazing. And, and that is a very difficult thing to do. Um, mm. but, but nearly a perfect song. And, mm. um, and I think that, you know, I, I have been super lucky enough to, have you heard, um, musicians talk about, I'm sure you have talk about how they feel like they were just open and then the song just kind of is delivered to them. Yes. Have you heard about this concept? Yes. And, and I, I am lucky enough to feel, have felt that before where I have gotten myself into a creative state Mm-hmm. to where um something just came out of me and i would say it's from it's from the unconscious right um mm-hmm. and and that things just kind of bubble up and they come out and you and part of like learning how to i think be a painter or a writer or any kind of artist a singer a songwriter is to not get in the way of of what's coming out of your unconscious and it's a lot easier said than done because we're yeah. all taught, we're all taught to put things in front of our unconscious, right? And yes. and I mean, let's let's be let's be honest. Like we all just can't walk around living out our unconscious, right? <laughs> like like we 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 wouldn't get dressed, and we we wouldn't <laughs> uh, we wouldn't make any money, and uh, you know we 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 wouldn't uh, you know we we wouldn't be great people in society ultimately. Um, but that's that's I think what great artists do, and um, and and how to do that and still like kind of live, live in life is, is, is part of the mystery. But, um, you know, I, I or, think that my, that I really started writing music, um, to get sadness out and, and my very first, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, person that I looked to was actually Buddy Holly. And, hmm. you know, and I listened to a lot of Buddy Holly as a kid and, and it just made so much sense to me and those little riffs and, you know, it was kind of rocking, but at the same time it was kind of goofy. And so, you know, that, you know, that there you go, baby, here am I, well, you left me here so I could sit and cry Well, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Jingle jangly stuff. Yeah. And, and I kind of like got super into to that, and um, and so th- that was definitely influential to me as well. Well, it, music is such a great way to experience the flow, and when you talk about your writing and and when it all comes so naturally to you in those moments, I think when we're driving around or, or living our life, the songs are like little moments of flow for us and yeah, for sure. those yeah those rhythms can just kind of keep us going and and get tied to memories and so I'd, I'd like to ask you about that um what are some of your best memories of rem music in your life like pick hmm. an era and 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 try to recall uh what was going on um with you when the song was part of your life that's a that's a really good question um you know when 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 i was at berkeley um the one of the one of the albums there that i just you know really 
got into um, was Life's Rich Pageant. And, mm. and I, th- I think um, so much about, you know, of that, um, uh, you know, so many of those songs I can think about um, where I was like kind of on campus when I was listening. I had a Walkman and, you know, I had it, I had <laughs> that, I had that, um, you know, that album on, on cassette tape and, and I just played it so much. And, um, you know, um, there's, I, I can, you know, so, so there's a lot of that music that, that just reminds me that, and Murmur too, like the, those two early albums, um, they, you know, they, there's, there's one in the middle there too, that, you know, Murmur's Fables. Murmur, I guess if it, if it no, Murmur, then, uh, Murmur, Reckoning, Re- Murmur, then Reckoning, right? Uh-huh. And so those first three albums, like I listened to the hell out of those. Uh, oh yeah, Fables too. You're right. You're right. And so I, I listened to all those early albums at Berkeley. I, I think that you know I, I deeply remember Green because it was kind of at the end of of it, it, it was you know those albums, those first three albums like Murmur, Reckoning, Fables, Life Search Pageant. You know those all came out in the '80s. Um, and so, but but Green was really the album that came out when I was at uh, Berkeley, and and so. Um, I have a lot of uh, memory of of listening to that. I have a lot of memory of of, of uh, listening to that with you, um, and um, you know, I I think uh, out of time is you know um, interesting because um, of the 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 simulcast we were talking about. You know, I was out of college. Um, it, it was it seemed. You know, they they were by then. I mean, that 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 album really made them like probably the one of the biggest bands in the world. Um, For sure, them yeah. and them and you two were yeah. at that point. You could honestly say were the biggest band of the eighties. Yeah. yeah, and you know that was like the early nineties, and that was like maybe right, right before grunge, right? Like, like a moment before it. It was before grunge, and it was it was green was sort of their graduation album to where they had conquered the world and and sort of they could not be the same band anymore. They had to get a new record company because the world demanded to consume them in a different way, and uh, they they changed into. Uh, something bigger and greater but green was sort of the graduation album and and how could they get any higher well out of time into automatic for the people i mean wow yeah (laughs) so so you know i i listened you know but when 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 out of time came out i was i was living uh, down in southern california but shortly thereafter i i moved back up to berkeley um and you know spent a lot of time with you at that point and um, you know, I just found, um, you know, that, that album is, um, just makes me feel, feel happy, um, in general. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think, I think in general, there's, there's always been, I, I'm sure you can do this with, with several bands, but, um, that, you know, there, you know, there, there, there's certain soundtracks to your life. And so, um, you know, you can put on almost any REM album for me. Um, and, and I can tell you kind of what I was doing when I, when I heard it and, uh, when I first heard it and, and kind of what, what, what was going on in my life then. Um, so, 
That's that's well, a neat thing to have. That's kind of what my question was all about. So I'm mm. just gonna pick. Uh, I'm just gonna pick sure. one of yeah, them out and and tell me what. Um, well, let's let's go let's go uh, back a little bit earlier because I want to go back to life's rich pageant. You mentioned mm-hmm. that, Adam. So so tell me about what uh, walking on Berkeley campus, listening to these days, or or what does these days bring mm-hmm. up for you? You know that that is such an interesting um, song, and you know the uh, my my immediate reaction of what it brings up to me is tour film. And so, um, you know, watching him, watching him sing it and, you know, almost spasmodic. Is that a word? You know, <laughs> yes. Like, and you, you know what I'm talking about in that tour, in tour film where he's singing it and he's, uh, and he's just jumping around. But, um, you know, I, the, the song that, that I, that, um, from that album that I used to sing, uh, on the Berkeley campus a lot was I Believe. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I I just think that's such a beautiful song. And so, you know, walking walking through Sproul, you know, and you and I had a long walk because we would walk from um, the south side of campus all the way to to the psych building, um, and that's from T- our Tolman side of campus Hall. to Tolman. That's as that's as far as you can walk, really. Um, um, I mean, one of the furthest walks, right? You're walking to the, to the other side of the campus. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and so I did that a lot with, with R.E.M. on, um, and, and, you know, I also think that there were times, you know, a song that I really dove into and tried to figure out what the hell it was about was Swan Swang Hummingbird. Hmm. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's so much stuff and, and I think, you know, you can't really understand R.E.M. without understanding that they're Southern band and uh-huh. and, you know, just listening to, um, the, you know, times where they where they have Southern phrases like um, Katie Barr, the kitchen door um, is a phrase that it comes up in um, in a song called um, Sitting Still, you know, up to bar, Katie Barr, the kitchen door, you know, that I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, uh, or losing my religion even is a, is a Southern saying. Yes. Um, and so, um, but some of the, some of the, the stuff that's in there, even fables of the reconstruction has to do with, you know, the, the civil war and its aftermath. And, and so, um, I would honestly say that I learned something about Southern culture and certainly about, about the civil war, um, and its aftermath from, from some of the images in the REM music as well. Well, it's interesting that they are from the South and it's, it's, um, I've never been to the South and given our political climate and what we've been going through here the last four years, I'm not, I'm not sure I would ever go, but the fact that REM, uh, came from there, um, reminds me that there is some sweetness, uh, to it all. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, they came from a college town, too. And college towns are, in my opinion, are the best places in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I happen to live in one, right? But they um, but that's on purpose. Um, I, I could live in lots of places. But college towns, even in the south, are, are probably, you know, pretty cool. And I mean, I've been to Athens, Georgia. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. But it's but um, it's it's a kind of a probably a nice little pocket of humanity and 
I think you'd find it nice. Well, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned losing my religion, and I, I from the very beginning I was intrigued by what happens when REM becomes hugely popular because like stand i for for a while there i was really feeling like they would pick the goofiest most uh unpopular song that could ever be and then release that as their first single and so yeah. i started yeah. to feel like yeah. they were messing with us but there's these moments where the world stops and listen so i want to ask you about Everybody Hurts, because that song really resonated across the world with people. But I, I wonder, did it resonate with you or was it too cliche? It, yeah, it was too cliche. It, yeah. I mean, I can appreciate it. I can certainly appreciate it. I mean, Losing My Religion definitely uh, resonated with me until it didn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I felt like I was, you know, in on the ground floor there and listening to it and was certainly like, wow, this is amazing. And and I still think it's an amazing piece of work, but it doesn't mean as much to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the, um, that in many ways that on um, the, I think, you know, a song that's probably, pro probably their most popular song that I still think is, is probably one of their best is Night Swimming. Mm -hmm. And, I think most people um, can can identify that as an REM song, um, and I think that's a nearly nearly perfect song. Mm. Um, and you know, but but I get what you're saying that there are there. I'm not drawn to um, a lot. I mean, this happens for lots of people, right? You you're, you get into a band, you get into a book, you get into some sort of art, and it starts to get popular, and then you're like. No, I don't like it um, anymore. You know, too many people like it, right? That's uh -huh. the cool factor, the it factor. So I heard somebody say to me the other day, uh, they were talking about Billy Joel, and they're like, "I only like old Billy Joel." And I was like, "What? The, what the heck are you talking about?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, so, so like, I, I you know, the, there's a, um, uh, you know, I, I do think that that applies to me to a certain extent too, and and maybe that's why I was having my reaction. You know, you are what you hate to a certain extent, and. And I certainly love all er, all early all REM, and then I pick and choose the later stuff. But I I think that means that has more to do with where I, where I was at developmentally in my life. You know what I mean? And and so the the early stuff I was just so open to, and as I got older, I I just kind of like found some of it and discarded the rest of it. Yeah, well, transitional uh, transitional time periods and eras for REM, I, I think the ultimate transition for them was New Adventures in Hi-Fi because that was their last album yeah. with Bill Berry. And, Bill Berry, and yeah. it just yeah. seemed like the, the music that they recorded on that album signified somehow that things just couldn't and wouldn't be the same for them anymore. And then, and then Bill was gone. Tell tell me about your thoughts around this album. Yeah, you know, I I uh, really do like it. I mean, when Bill Berry left the band, um, you know, for good reason, obviously. Um, it 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 kind of signified the end of REM for me. Mm. It's not that I don't like some of the music after that. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it it seems like a I, it seems like a different it almost seems like they should have just changed their name, um, you know, um, like he didn't die, like 
like I completely 100 respect and 100 respect that the Beastie Boys have never done anything post uh, the death of of, mm-hmm. of of Adam, and I think that that is um, that's the right that's that's right, and um, and I don't think that's exactly the same type of situation here, but but it, but in my mind it kind of was, um, but I think on 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 specifically on New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Um, there's there's so much on that album that seems like um you know older REM. Hmm. You know and and I like it. Um and so you know I think Departure is a great song. Um and I think Leave is a great song. Um and and somewhere I read, I don't know if this is true now that I'm saying it out loud. So it's weird that we're doing this recording and I'm saying this out loud and it may not be true but um, that that they that they did that they wrote a lot of these songs while they were on the road. Like they wrote a lot of them when they were in sound checks. That's um, what I've heard have you too. Heard this? Yes, okay. that's a, that's right. what I've heard. And and they, so, yep, that's true. So if we've both heard it, then it's true. And um, <laughs> then and I think that when bands do that, um, it it really does um, signify them um, getting back to their roots because most of the time when you're touring, you're playing all of your, you know, kind of like your hits and you like your, your older music, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes. And, um, but you know, um, I actually got this album from you. Um, Oh, is that right? It's true. You burned this CD for me. Um, and it was, um, you know, you know, I, you know, it's gotta be, you know, what, like in the, you know, mid nineties and, and I was uh, kind of moving around the the world, and um, and I remember, and I still have it. I have all my CDs still. I don't know what I I have all my cassette tapes still too. <gasps> you do? Um, I do. Oh my and gosh! Other, listen to this. Listen to this. Here's a little side story. You can edit it out if you want, but um, I still have my Walkman. Uh-huh. And um, the the funny thing is, we is is uh, it, it kind of sits on my shelf uh, near my computer. And so my my youngest son Will he found it the other day and he was super interested in it, and so Molly got it and and went and found a, a cassette tape for him, and um and put batteries in it and put put the headphones on him and, <laughs> and played him a cassette tape in in the Walkman. So what and, cassette and he, was it? It was a cassette of uh it was a mixed cassette that you had made right because I have all those I have boxes of cassettes, um and it was it had Pearl Jam on it. And he thought Pearl Jam was a very funny name, right? Which most <laughs> most people do. And um, he um, listened to about two minutes of it and took the headphones off and goes, okay, cool. That was it. <laughs> he didn't listen anymore. Um, that was it. Well, so, I, I cannot wait to get my hands on that box of cassette tapes you have. Don't change anything about it. I want to yeah. see it as is. Yeah. All right. There's two. There's two boxes. And um, and I opened one the other day. We're doing a little moving around in our basement. And uh, it was a time capsule. I mean, I opened yeah. it and immediately saw some things in there where I was like, oh, my God, I remember how important that was. Um, well, and so, art is so you know, I, defined by its... Li- Sorry to interrupt. Art, art is so defined by its limitations. And back then, I remember the creativity that you and 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 i to some extent too put into 
the 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 mixed tape and and there were so many different ways that you could be creative you were mixing in oh, yeah. uh yeah. voicemail uh cassette messages and uh all kinds of hidden little songs and and it, it was quite an art form it was fun i mean I, I certainly remember that i miss it you know um i know i sound like an old guy but i mean i miss having a home phone too um but you know <laughs> there was there was something so nice about the phone ringing and and getting it, you know, in some ways it was the only way you talk to um, other people like your your friend's partner or or your friend's brother or your friend's mom mm. or something. Um, and and you don't do that anymore. Wow. And um, and my kids don't know even know what that is. And so I think that's a it was a real kind of social connector in a way that's gone. And mm. um, and those tapes and, you know, my kids have, as as yours do, their fingers on everything in the world and um, and you know, again, not to sound like a horribly old stodgy guy, but I think like, you know, you can look up every single performance by Jimi Hendrix right now on your iPad. Like, what are you doing? Just go do that. Right. And, uh, you know, we had to go, go, go seek it and go look for it. But the, um, I, I think to a certain extent, you know, those, those tapes, I, I don't have my albums anymore. Uh -huh. I, w I really wish I had. I really wish I had those. But um, I have all my CDs, including all the burned ones, and I have. Um, I have all the cassette tapes too. Well, I remember those days well, and I remember wishing, just laying around, being. I wish I could have every song in the world, and now I do, and yeah. it, and it is fabulous. But I do come across lots of young people um, with the way I'm living my life right now, and. Yeah. They do not understand the power of an album and yeah, what yeah, a yeah, side yeah. means. And this is all well, well covered territory, but, um, yeah, you know, you seem like the a person that would, you know, that, that would deeply appreciate, um, how much access you have to, to all the music in the world. And, and that makes me happy. <laughs> um, be, because I, I agree with you that, um, you know, I mean, times change, right? And, and, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents would probably say something similar about uh, other things in their lives that we didn't um, take, take seriously. Yeah. Um, but, but I was trying to explain to, to my older son, Quinn, um, you know, what it was like the day that an album came out uh -huh. and going and getting it and, um, and just staring at it. You know, my dad said something really interesting when we were little. He said that when he was growing up, they didn't have a TV for some of the time. Like TV was something new mm -hmm. that his family got. And so he said when they, when he was very little, they would listen to the radio and everybody would sit around and look at the radio. And then the TV they would have and everybody would just walk around and do stuff, right? <laughs> they'd go get food and go all this stuff. And I thought, oh my God, that's, that's so funny. And then as I got older, I started thinking, oh yeah, you know what? That, that's kind of true. Like, um, and um, you know, so I was telling Quinn, like, you know, I can remember when the day that um, that albums came out and going and getting them um, and coming home and putting them on. And like um, and that that certainly happened for me with Automatic for the People. Like I was I was living in New York City. I just come off like a a, um, a time of having cancer. Like I I wasn't really supposed to go to graduate school. There was some like, you know, medical need for me possibly not to go. I kind of bullshit all that took off drove across the country with adam ruderman you know moved to new york city and then um 
and then that it came out that fall that I was there. And I remember going and getting it and the, the CD and, and waiting online for it and then coming home and like opening it and, you know, reading it and like listening to it. And, um, and like, those are really, really nice memories, really nice moments. Like getting food. Yeah. Yeah. Nourishment for, for, for your soul or your unconscious or yeah. something. I mean, um, it's, it was, it's pretty cool. And I, I think that's a, that's a underrated album too. Um, mm. you know, there, there's definitely some, some nice songs on there. Not, not all of them, you know, I, I'm, I, 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 you know, man in the moon is another song that, that I know is sort of like, um, you know, song, you know, maybe, maybe not as, as big as losing my religion, but certainly a song that some people are like, Oh, that's corny. Right. Or, and then other people find it deeply meaningful and Craig, for them. I am so um, stuck on that song right now. Uh, that song yeah, has been yeah. stuck in me for two months now. It, I'm, I'm yeah. going to it over and over. Yeah. What, what is it about? I mean, what, what, what is the draw for you? Well, I think it has something to do with the fact that my daughter, my, my seven year old, uh, likes it. And I, I get this unbelievable feeling of joy to see her tapping her foot to it or singing one of the lyrics. And I think the, the, if you believe they put a man on the moon, that, that is a mesmerizing idea. And, yeah. and it actually yeah, yeah, made yeah, yeah, yeah. me want, I told my wife, I said, you know, I feel like I need to explain who Elvis is to my daughter, Vailani, uh, so that she understands his role in all of this. And, and it, it took his lyric and putting, uh, Elvis into the list of nostalgia of American nostalgia yeah, yeah, yeah. and the power of rock and roll. I mean, it's it's rock and roll baby and elvis was uh one of the pillars yeah that's nice yeah yeah i know i know you know that's one of those songs yeah i mean yeah of course night swimming is on that album um the you know do you know who jules holland is i do not he okay he he hosts a talk show he's like a late night oh for london okay yeah yeah yes i do it's a very popular very popular he um he has um, great um, live bands on his yes, show I've seen that it. are on YouTube, mm -hmm. and and so there's a the, so there's a great um, night swimming um, on Jules Holland, and it's from the two thousands, and it's just it's just um, it's just Stipe and um, and Mike Mills, and so Mike Mills playing piano and Stipe singing it, and um, and it's just undeniably just beautiful art. I'm very, very moved by it. Now that you mention it, I have seen it. And I remember uh, remarking to myself, watching these other bands be in their presence, having to hold their own space while this performance is happening. It sort of be like, okay, I'm in a dunk contest and I have to follow, you know, uh, Dominique yeah. Wilkins and yeah, try to yeah, dunk yeah, after yeah. he did. It's just got to be such a crazy experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, we're, we just have time for a couple more questions, but I, right. I love the idea of you 
I, I love picturing you interacting and meeting uh, Michael Stipe in some way. So if you had the opportunity to talk <laughs> with him, what activity would you like to be doing with him? And what do you think you might talk about? Oh, that's a fun question. I don't think I have a fun answer for you, though. <laughs> um, I, I I think that I would just choose not to. Come on! You know, I, <laughs> I I think it's I think it's probably just good not to get to you know I I think it's similar to like not knowing the lyrics, right? <laughs> like I just I just wouldn't want to be disappointed. There's just too much at stake, John. Um, and so. You know, to have to, to have him on a bad day or something, there would just be too too much judgment on my part. You know, I'm such a profoundly judgmental person mm. that um, I think that one wrong move for him could could ruin a, a, a an adolescence for me. And uh, and you know, but it, but if I if I if I if I'm being a better sport and playing along, you know, uh, I would hope it would be something kind of mundane. You know, like. Um, like maybe the two, I mean, I would, I, you know, the, the, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure what it would be like for him to be around some sort of a fanboy either. Right. Like I, I, I just think that that's an inherently messed up, um, dynamic from the beginning. Right. Um, but, but so, you know, maybe like being stuck in an elevator or something or, you know, <laughs> some, something weird where, where, where there isn't that dynamic, but, um, I don't know. I what, what about you? Well, what, do, what do you think of when you when you about that? Question? Well, can I can I request that if the opportunity happens, you at least get a selfie with him? Yeah, you know, I you know, I think that that would probably be the best thing. Okay. That, that, that's wise. Well, I, 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 um, I walked by Mike's. Excuse me, I walked by Mike Mills in Emeryville, and uh, no and and I was dumbfounded and it, it is a huge re regret of mine that I didn't stop and at least say thank you. I, in my ideal uh, situation, I would have just stopped and gave him a big smile and say, thank you so much. And can I buy you a drink? Because if he could have just said yes, um, yeah. if he would have just said yes, I fantasize about it. But, um, I didn't, I just saw him and, got a lump in well, my you have throat. the type of personality that that i don't think that you would freak people out you know i, I think it would be fine you're such a, a gentle giant too that i think people would be intrigued you know one time i was in uh i was in new york city in the east village and i was with a, a buddy of mine at the time that i went to graduate school with and we were downtown we were a little high we were walking around and just kind of chilling and and all of a sudden lou reed walked by oh wow and 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 my buddy was like huge like 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 hugely refan and i and i saw him and i said look there's lou reed and he's like holy shit and i was like you gotta go you gotta go say something to me he's like no 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 so john i made him go right so he walks like down the street blah 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 and i'm i didn't go with him i just stood back and i watched the whole thing happen honest to god true story and and so he has this little interaction with him and he comes back and he and and so now I understand where my answer comes from. It's informed by this story, John. And so uh, the he comes back and I was like, what happened? And he goes, well, I went down there and I stopped him and he was walking and he had a guitar in his back and he kind of stopped him and said, hey, can you sign this? And Lou Reed was like, man, I'm walking here. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then just kept going. 
And so, you know, I encouraged him to go do that and that was his experience with it. So, <laughs> okay, great. So, um, we mentioned Bill Barry and his, and his leaving yeah. of the band. Do you think, or would you want there to be, or do you think it's a possibility that they, that they could do one more album or one more tour together? Oh boy. I think a tour would be too much. Um, I mean, I, who knows? That's just me saying that. I mean, I, I have no idea how that guy's health is. Right. But, but touring doesn't seem like something you should be doing when you have a, like a, a, a brain aneurysm, right? And so, you know, I, I, you know, you know what, you know what would be better, John, is if they did like a, um, a, a one-time benefit concert and and had it online. Yeah, I hope so. You know, like I mean. And then I, I would pay, I'd pay, I'd pay $50 and I'd pay a hundred dollars for that. Right. Yeah. And, and they could give half the money to charity and the other half to the, 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 the people who are setting it up. And, um, I mean, that would be, you know, make it like a three hour long thing. Bill could get through that. Come on. Yeah, man. Let's pull for that. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. And then make it about some cause, you know, like global warming and, and, um, and, that 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 would be great. I I would I would I would go for that for sure. I certainly hope so. Um, well, this is this is a bit of an odd question, but I think people would really want to know this. If there was one lyric that you had to get tattooed mm -hmm. on your body, which oh wow, which lyric would it be, and where would you get that tattooed? <laughs> Wow, people really want to know this. You say, <laughs> yeah. um, "Well, that's a very interesting question for me because for two reasons. Number one is that I do not have any tattoos, uh -huh. um, and and number two, um, given what I was saying before, so much of their deeply meaningful music, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, and so, trying to pick out a, a lyric from there, um, you know." Uh, Molly and I, my wife Molly and I have have some lyrics inside of our of our wedding ring, mm. um, but but they're not REM lyrics. And um, you know that is a that is a good question. Um, let me let me stumble here a little bit and see what comes to mind. You know I I. Um, You know what? You know what uh, kind of comes to mind is is just that it. Uh, you are the everything. Mm. I, I I have found lots of meaning in that song over the years, and uh, and still do, and think it is, you know, such just such a lovely, lovely um, song, and. Uh, I find a lot of meaning in, in, in saying that sometimes or, or saying that to my wife sometimes and um, and and where on my body gosh now we're gonna get it now you know this is really deep stuff because uh, since I've never tattooed my body I've always wondered and and uh, you obviously know so much more about tattoos than I do and you know there's is there meaning 
Also for people who get tattoos that they can't see versus the tattoos that they can. Oh, uh, I'm sure there is. And is it, there some like deep psychology around that too? Like, you know, like if you like something so much and you get it on your back, but you can't see it, right? Well, there's, that's always been some, 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 somewhat confusing for me, but, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it, but you know, I, I think if I got something, I'd put it someplace like maybe on the inside of my wrist or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so I could, so I could see it and it would like, it would be almost like a mantra for me. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. That sounds, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with you are the everything and I'm going to put it on the inside of, of my wrist. That, that is a good one. And you can actually do that with a Sharpie and take a picture of it and send it to us to see what it looks like. There you go. What, what's your answer? Oh, what, ta- what tattoo would I get of their lyrics? Yeah. And where? Oh, uh, well, I have to say that I don't know if it actually ends up in a song, but on tour film, when he says, it just, it just better not be styrofoam, but that was better not be styrofoam, pal. Yeah, pal. Okay. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, pal. Okay. There you go. Uh, a shiver came quick, grabbed me up by the back of the neck, yeah. by my shoes, to the core of the earth. I muttered something, swallowed some air. Science, miracles, monkeys, or prayer. I'll believe in anything when I'm there. I'm certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm certain I said yeah, that before. Good. And I I just love that one because I have my own struggles with, um, with religion and uh, from yeah. the way I was raised. And I absolutely love how science now is sort of in a way to me becoming spiritualized uh, with quantum physics. And so having science and religion all tied up in there and having monkeys and, you know, the reference to evolution and all that, there's just a lot in that for me and tour film is so powerful. So that's mine. And I would get it on probably the inside of my forearm. Yeah, that's a good one. Now, yeah, you know, tour film is so is so good. You know, you 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 gave me tour tour film, and I it's it's uh, on my bookshelf. Well, you're um, you're quoting all these things of me giving you REM, but bro, you're the one that gave uh, well, REM nice. to me and others. I nice. you 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 did something um, the first time I ever visited you at uh, in Amherst you had just completed your thesis and it was such a such a hard time in your life you had just come out of of kicking cancer's ass and you had gotten your doctorate and your thesis was actually named uh an rem lyric and i believe you named the chapters of your thesis after rem so um tell us about why you did that you know, I, 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 uh, the, the thing that, um, that, that I took out of that was, um, it, it's from, um, let me think about it for this. You're really taking me back now. Um, it's, it's gotta be standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that song it's, um, uh, what is it coming to me now? It's, um, Standing on the shoulders of giants leaves me cold. Everybody hit the ground. 
a main idea to call my own. Uh, birds fly. Mm -hmm. King of birds. King of birds. That's it, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, there's something, you know, there, there's that, there's that line in there, you know, a main idea to have, uh, to call my own. Um, uh, and, and standing on the shoulders of giants, there was something about that, you know, while I was doing all my research, it just felt like, um, you know, one, it, it felt so false and, and, you know, because what you, what you do when you, when you, when you get a doctorate or you get a PhD is you, you end up pursuing some line of research where you're trying to prove a new idea and, and, um, and sometimes the people that do it are fantastic, but by and large, most of the time, the people that do it like me are not. And it's just kind of like um, this frivolous kind of attempt to kind of go out in the world and, and find something that's new. And, um, and to do that with numbers and science is so, so difficult. Mm. And, um, and so I found something really kind of inspirational based on that song. And and um, and th that is a that is a really trippy song if you listen to it, um, you know even the music I go you know that that guitar at the beginning everything um, and then um, you know that that side that side two of document um, because I think on there also is Oddfellows Local One Five One, which has come in and out of my life at times like um, and the one I love is on that side isn't it funny we're old enough to talk about sides the the, um, the one i love is my favorite yeah. rem song i i don't know how that could ever change yeah I, I, and the funny thing is it's got what like 10 lyrics 10 words and, and not that many something like that yeah it's not that many chords but it but he the, the he holds that space yeah that, that holding that note is so good yeah mm. so um yeah, so I, I think that I was looking for some inspiration, and um, and it, you know that's really when I was trying to you know explore my own kind of more artistic creativity than my scientific creativity, and um, and really fell in love with artistic creativity more. Um, you know, not saying that 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 I've ever pursued that. I mean, it's still part of my life. But, um, you know, I, I do think that I'm trying to create a little bit more space in my children's lives to feel like they can be creative and, mm. you know, nonsensical and and possibly understand things about themselves earlier than than I did. Um, because I do believe that it's it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks. But, um, uh, you know, that said, I, I would encourage anybody to to try to follow that creative path as much as they can. Um, well, so I hope that was a weird time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I hope that the you mentioned your kids. I, I hope that somehow this podcast can find its way into some young people's life and and have them check out REM. Like, what is this all about <laughs> that these two guys would yeah. be talking on and on about it? And it's such a celebration of REM to share this time with you. But I, one of the things I would hope is that is, is that maybe somebody finds their way to REM, um, through this talk that, that the way that you brought REM in, into my life. So, so grateful and so, 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 so if somebody to, to let me let me ask you a question about that, John, um, just for a second. So so if somebody had only heard of like the most popular, you know, R.E.M. radio songs and they were interested, they were listening to this interested. Where would you tell them to go? 
Well, I mean, you started me with green, and so of, yeah. of course I would be, I would be uh, and, glad. But I, I think that the integrity. So their first couple albums for me, I wouldn't send them to the first couple albums because I feel like that's sort of a detail that you want to get to after. Uh, I feel like the document Life Rich Pageant, one of those two mm-hmm. albums is, um, uh, gosh, is it their apex for me? Well, maybe, but I, I feel that the richness and goodness in those songs, like it, when a band goes through the course of its life uh, and they, th- they were now very empowered they had handled their economics. They were very empowered to dedicate themselves 100% into their art. And they knew they had an audience. And this is what they did with it. Life, Life's Rich Pageant with Fall On Me, Begin the Begin. Cuyahoga means a lot to me because I'm, I'm really into indigenous cultures. Yeah, yeah, good. I believe the yeah. idealism behind I Believe now, you know, there's a couple songs on that album maybe I, I, I wouldn't so much endorse, but I think I would probably start with Life, Life's Rich Pageant. That's a great answer. How, 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 where would you literally tell them to go? Like, how would you tell them to access it? Oh, well, Spotify. In all the ways to, in all the ways to access it. Like, would you say, just listen to, listen, just listen on Spotify, or would you tell them to to go to YouTube and watch a performance of it. Oh, just, just listen to it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them to listen to your, your concert mix and my concert mix, because <laughs> your, okay. your concert mix really, I think addresses the heart and soul of the band. And I think my concert mix, uh, addresses the rock and roll side of them. I, huh. I just love the rock and roll side of them. Um, because that's kind of who I want to be. But uh, um, I think if you listen to our two mixes and you get through all of that, you will know whether you like R.E.M. or not. Yeah. If, if you listen to both of those mixes and this podcast, <laughs> then, then you then there's probably something wrong. <laughs> Please. But the, yeah. Or you really love one of us. Right. So... But well, I hope we can offer yeah. a T-shirt or something good for for anyone who does that. No, no promises, but I'll try to do something nice for you. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like something, uh, at least a selfie of a sharpie tattoo on my wrist <laughs> coming your way. Oh, Craig, I've cherished this time with you. Is there anything you need to get off your chest about REM before we uh, adjourn? I don't think so. Uh, so you said your favorite your favorite song, yeah, is "Man of the Moon." No, well, yeah. that's the one I'm really into right now, and it's right now. it's yeah. sort of uh, it's my current addiction. But my favorite song of all time, and I can't imagine it ever changing um, because it's been that way for so long, is um, the one I love. Yeah. What, and and do you do you know your favorite song of all time? Period. Like if, if oh. it was is is it is it an REM song or is it something else? Oh, I I couldn't do that. I I would I love the idea of making 
an album length, you know, uh, not going crazy yeah. with 25 songs, but you know, an album length of all the songs of most powerful songs of my life, uh, that, yeah, wow, that'd be that great. would be I fun. I can tell you right now it'd have some Pearl Jam and Prince and, uh, Scorpions yeah. and Red Hot Chili Peppers and R.E.M. to name a few. Tonight, tonight we're making a live recording. <laughs> the, um, because in, in my house right now, you know, I, I, with these, with my youngest, uh, he's really into making lists, mm. and so he he made a list of his uh, of his favorite songs the other day, and uh, uh, no no REM on that list. So, um, but I did feel um, very proud that the second song on his list was uh, an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. That's fantastic. So I, yeah, I, I felt like okay, I'm I'm doing something right, you know. But with that said, a number that one of the his number one song is is a, a Michael Jackson. So, so who knows, you know? You you, you can only you, you can try your best with these kids, right? Well, I think that when he gets to junior high, that's when you really want to be uh, interested in what his favorite songs are. Cause I think, I think that maybe the music that comes into your life before that is your parents' music or That's your well childhood said, yeah. music, but the, the music from your junior high on can really stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. Cause I, I, I play them. I play them a lot of music and, and neither one of them is particularly drawn to music. Oh, wow. Really? Um, I'm so surprised to hear that. Yeah. No, neither one of them is particularly drawn to music, um, and so um, I play them music. I, I sometimes play my guitar and like sing in their face, um, and like sometimes very aggressively. Um, and um, I think that explains it. Other times, yeah. Other times, I will just like you know sing them things. Like they're they're not they're not particularly drawn to it, and um, and I. You know, it, it's there's just so much for them to be um, drawn to, John. That, you know, the I feel like when I was younger, my choices were um, were somewhat limited. But probably for a generation before me, I had way more choices too. But they just seem to have so many more choices to fill their lives with. That's very interesting. Well, Craig, and they like they like a lot. They like a lot of pop music. So, yep. Oh. Well, that's good. I mean, it's we anywhere we can find joy. I think we need to. This, I agree. this I totally important agree. time yeah. for that, and it's an. This is a time of healing that we're all in right now, and I think REM is healing music. So people go listen to your REM and start with our concert mixes that you will be able to see below. <laughs> I second that. Thanks, John. Well, Craig, I just want to thank you so much, not only for bringing REM into my life, but for uh, putting it into context here. And uh, this has been a great celebration with you. I'm very grateful. Oh, you're very welcome. And I just have... Uh, loads of thanks for you too i mean this was fun okay guys uh thanks for joining us and this has been dr rem with craig strehorn bye